The time changed this morning, of course. Y'all are here, so you're aware of that. I'm not sure how I feel about it yet. Ask me a week. Ask me in a week after my kids have had time to adjust to it. Spring forward means longer days, which is great. It'll stay light past 7 o'clock and then eventually past 8 o'clock. However, it also means for a while in the mornings, it's going to be dark. 7 o'clock will feel like 6 o'clock. Instead of stepping into uh, the light walking out of my house in the morning, I'll be stepping into the dark. The time change will also make the game we've been playing in our house after supper much more difficult. It's called the ghost game, and it involves turning off all the lights in our house and me running around chasing my boys in the dark uh, while periodically hiding and then jumping out at them, trying to tag them before they get back to the sofa, which is base. It's a lot easier to hide in the dark. Sometimes it, feel like, it feels like we human beings prefer it. For whatever reasons, we don't want others to see or, or know who we really are. We even think remaining in the dark somehow makes it harder for God to see us. Maybe we think life is a lot about how well we can hide our sins or our brokenness or our insecurities or doubts from God and other people. Adam and Eve tried to hide. I guess it's in our DNA. But the invitation from God has been and is, continues to be the same, to turn from darkness to light. To return to the light of God's saving love with all we are and not be afraid or ashamed. Let's pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that take root there. Grow us, transform us so that we might live for you, bear fruit for your kingdom. This we pray in your son's name. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of John, the third chapter, verses 1 through 21, invites you to listen for God's word. There was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a Jewish leader. He came to Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could do these miraculous signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born anew, it is not possible to see God's kingdom. Nicodemus asked, how is it possible for an adult to be born? It's impossible to enter the mother's womb for a second time and be born, isn't it? Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born of water and the spirit, it's not possible to enter God's kingdom. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. Don't be surprised that I said to you, you must be born anew. God's spirit blows wherever it wishes. You hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. It's with the same with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said, how are these things possible? Jesus answered, you're a teacher of Israel and you don't know these things. I assure you that we speak about what we know and testify about what we have seen, but you don't receive our testimony. 
If I have told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has gone up to heaven except the one who came down from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son so that everyone who believes in him won't perish but will have eternal life. God didn't send his Son into the world to judge the world but that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him isn't judged. Whoever doesn't believe in him is already judged because they don't believe in the name of God's only Son. This is the basis for judgment. The light came into the world and people loved darkness more than the light, for their actions are evil. All who do wicked things hate the light and don't come to the light for fear that their actions will be exposed to the light. Whoever does the truth comes to the light so that it can be seen that their actions were done in God. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Nicodemus came to see Jesus at night. That's an important little detail. Unlike the Samaritan woman in the very next chapter who meets Jesus in broad daylight, even though she's a morally disgraced member of a theologically suspect group, Nicodemus meets Jesus in the dark. And Nicodemus isn't morally disgraced or theologically suspect. He's a Pharisee, which means he's a virtual perfectionist, a scrupulous keeper of the law who knew Scripture inside and out. He's a member of the Sanhedrin, the highest, most powerful governing body of the Jewish people. He's a teacher of Israel, a keeper of its practices and, and rituals. We're even told that he was a leader. In other words, he's someone who has a significant level of security, comfort, and control over his own life and the lives of other people. He has life put together in a way that, that works for him. Life is pretty good. He's, he's secure and comfortable just where he is, just like he is. Maybe. Maybe. He's also seen and heard things about Jesus. And he's curious. But he feels the need to... Hide about it. I heard he turned water into wine. They're saying he's the Messiah, the Son of God. I wonder if they're right because, I mean, how, how else could he make wine out of water if he's not sent from God and these other signs that he's doing? I, but if he is sent from God, why is he not studied with us, with our, with our rabbis? If he's sent from God, why is he so critical of, of our practices? I mean, what about turning over tables in, in the temple and that whole disturbance and the things that he said? Which is precisely why he has to see Jesus at night. He goes to see Jesus at a time of a literal darkness when he can move through the city without being seen. He has a reputation to protect, status and power to preserve. At night, he, he could avoid those awkward questions that he might get from his fellow Pharisees and other religious leaders. Going to Jesus at night not, not only suggests the desire to remain hidden, but also about being in the dark in terms of understanding. Nicodemus thinks he's up to speed on, on Jesus. He thinks he's enlightened, but really he's still in the dark. Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God. Though, no, Nicodemus is not wrong in his conclusion. He's not totally right either. His perception is partial. And incomplete. 
He has no idea that standing there in the dark, that in the words of John's prologue, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness doesn't extinguish the light. The true light that shines on all people was coming into the world. The true light was there. And Jesus invites Nicodemus to step into the light from the darkness. Unless someone, it is, unless someone is born anew, it's not possible for them to see God's kingdom. In other words, you have to be standing in the light of Jesus' life to see it. Which means you have to come out of hiding. You have to, to bring parts of your life you're ashamed of, parts you're afraid of, parts you're insecure about, out of the shadows and into the blazing light of the sun, S-O-N. You have to turn from the darkness of hiding, from the truth to the light of the world. Have you ever been like Nicodemus? Have you ever wanted to go somewhere but been a little uh, afraid of who might see you arriving or, or departing? Maybe you wanted to hear a speaker on a topic that you find interesting but you would rather keep secret. Maybe you want to go see a band play or watch a movie that might reveal something about you. Maybe you don't want to pull out and wear that team's jersey when you're in an area of another sports team, supporters. Sometimes we want to keep our, our loyalties, our interests, our questions hush-hush. Have you ever wanted to say something, but you're afraid of the backlash or rejection? Have you ever wanted to interject God in the conversation, but hid that part of yourself instead? We hide ourselves all the time. Have you ever been afraid to go to church because you felt like a hypocrite? To go to God because there's a big part of you that you'd rather stay hidden away? That somehow if you were found out, you wouldn't be loved anymore? Even though you have this sense that, that God is a God of love, there's this twinge of uncertainty that you can trust God with the shadowy places of your life, with the darkness of doubt you sometimes have. Maybe you've wanted certain parts of your life to remain hidden. The messy parts, the alone in your doubts parts, the I just want to curl up in a ball and cry parts, the I can't believe I was so ignorant parts, the impatient with your kids, your wife, your coworkers parts, the what I look at on my phone and computer parts. Have you ever wanted to stay hidden because you can't forgive yourself? Because your guilt is crushing? Because you've worked so hard to project a certain image, but now that image is showing cracks and you're exhausted and anxious. Which is the part of your life that you would least want to be broadcast on the six o'clock news? Sometimes we stay in the dark too in terms of our understanding. We can be so certain about things, so certain about things, even about God, that we're actually in the dark. To truth, and to the truth of God's mystery. Plus, if we actually knew and trusted the truth about who God is, we would have to make some big changes. We'd have to live differently. 
Because our entire worldview, our entire paradigm and way we have constructed and understood the world and ourselves might be rocked, deconstructed, and, and that's not easy to come to terms with. God wants to be the terms. So better and safer to just keep Jesus in the dark, or at least in the dusk, so we can know who he is and what life is on our terms. But we miss out. We miss out. It reminds me of going to, to the Grand Canyon. Lauren and I took a vacation there before we had kids. Uh, we arrived there at night, so we didn't get to see it right away. Our first glimpse was at sunrise the next morning when we stepped onto the canyon rim and the sun was coming over the, the horizon. While the sun was still low, it looked like the canyon wasn't that big because the light had not yet revealed everything yet, and we were only catching a fraction of the view. But the higher and the higher the sun got over the rim, the more and more of the canyon that we, that we saw until we saw it all in its depth and breadth and expansiveness and, oh my goodness, pictures don't do it justice, awesomeness. We think we understand ourselves and life, but what if we're just only standing on the rim, seeing a part of the view? It gets better with the sun. And so Jesus invites us, like Nicodemus, to return from darkness to light. If darkness is about hiding, light is about exposure and being discovered, being fully known. If darkness is about clouded and self-serving certainties, light is about truth revealed in mystery. If darkness is about insecurity and shame and guilt, light is about the assurance of Jesus' love, forgiveness, and hope. If darkness is about fear of judgment for doubts, questions, and uncertainties, light is about safe space for those things. If darkness is about a narrow and limited life, light is about a broad, abundant life in the sun. We don't return from darkness to light only when we feel like we know things for certain or have our lives perfectly sorted out first. We come to the light because we don't and haven't. You must be born anew, Jesus says. That's a radical turning point. Birth is a profound movement from darkness to light. Think about the life of a baby in her mother's womb. It's dark. It's a very limited world and very limited worldview. And then all of a sudden, in a dramatic change, the baby bursts into the world, and all of a sudden there is light and, and expansiveness. A view that was once small and dark is, though blurry now, full of light and new possibilities, returning returning from darkness to light is like that. The darkness is not a permanent space. It doesn't have to be. It shouldn't be. Hiding in our insecurities and shame and guilt and, and people-pleasing and doubts is not supposed to be a tomb, but it can be a womb. Instead, a womb we're invited to be born out of anew. So that we can turn to and be in Christ's glorious light. To see everything differently, even ourselves. To occupy a completely new space, one we're hiding, is not appealing anymore. 
And when we return from darkness to light, yes, we will be exposed. Light does that. It exposes things that are hidden or obscure or unclear, especially the light of the world, Jesus. That's why John said the light came into the world and people love darkness more than the light because their actions are evil. All who do wicked things hate the light for fear their actions will be exposed to the light. Whoever does the truth comes to the light so that it can be seen their actions were done in God. The light of Jesus exposes what everyone is. Yes, that means all the shabby and shameful things that we might wish to keep hidden are, are out in the open. Yes, that's what it means. And yet, condemnation is not the aim of the light. That's not the purpose of Christ's coming. It's not the last word. As Jesus tells Nicodemus, return from darkness to light. Step out with your whole self into my light because God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him won't perish but have eternal life. God didn't send me into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through me. For God so loved the world. Period. Period. That should give us the grace to step into the light from the darkness without fear, without shame, without reservation. Because we know and can trust the source of that light. That we will be loved, that we will be forgiven, that we will undergo a dramatic transformation. Those who are prepared to take the risk of new birth, a darkness to light, return, new possibilities with Jesus are most often those who admit they're in the dark and take a step toward the light. That, that's what Nicodemus does. When Nick at night comes face to face with the light of the world, he realizes that he actually really is in the dark and that there is a light worth stepping into. By coming to Jesus as he does, Nicodemus is one who does what is true and whose actions are clearly seen. This isn't Nicodemus' final appearance. He comes up later in the Gospel of John. Uh, it's, and this time, we see him in the daytime because he's returned toward the light. And just after Jesus was crucified and his body was being prepared for burial, Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds worth, to anoint the body. And this would have been an extremely risky, costly, and visible gesture. At a time when others were abandoning Jesus or hiding in fear, Nicodemus stepped into the light. Why hide? Why hide? After all, this was the one who had once told him, I'm telling you, God's so in love with the world that he sent me down, and if you trust in me, you won't have to come sneaking around scared in the dark anymore. What will come to the light? Come alive. And he had. May it be so with us too. As we stop playing the ghost game with God, as we move, as we return from darkness to light. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.